Welcome into the PFF NFL Daily. Today, discussing the biggest losers of the 2021 NFL Draft. We touched on the winners yesterday, but what happened on the other side of the coin? It's all brought to you by DraftKings. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you bet our custom NFL Draft prop before Thursday night. Triple your money with boosted odds on if more than one and a half running backs are selected in the first round. Don't forget, enter code PFF during sign-up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Illinois, Tennessee, New Hampshire only. New customers only. Winnings paid out in free bets. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, Sam, we got to talk about the biggest losers. It could be teams, it could be players, it could be anybody who lost out during the 2021 NFL Draft. Well, let's start out with poor old James Robinson. Um, undrafted free agent a year ago, has a phenomenal rookie season as a running back for the Jags. Um, plays really quite well in all facets of the game. And of course, his team responds by then drafting Travis Etienne in the first round and, you know, effectively <laughs> torpedoing any kind of significant future that he has with the team. Um, I know they've come out and coach speak. It's been like, no, this will be a, a committee and, you know, he's not going to be uh, the the every down starter. He's going to be a third down guy and we'll cross train him as, as being a wide receiver. But you're drafting a running back in the first round. The dude that was an undrafted free agent the year before is having his role significantly reduced so yeah poor old james robinson was one of the biggest losers i mean james robinson just exemplifies what we always try to say about running backs and the ability to find them you know everywhere including undrafted free agency he was really good last year 78.5 rushing grade that was 17th in the nfl but um from a volume standpoint even better because you know some of the guys had smaller sample sizes ranked above him so Look, Robinson will still have his opportunities, but yeah, he's he's lost some, at least, to uh, to Travis Etienne. I like how you always go the player route. Um, I'll go the player route later, but I'm going to go the Dallas Cowboys' biggest losers, and not because they lost the draft, but as we talked about on the main PFF NFL podcast in our NFC East review, Cowboys just missed out. Just missed out on multiple players, including Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn. I think the Cowboys really wanted to come away with that first-round cornerback. Instead, they get Micah Parsons. It's one of those decisions we'll look back on years from now, and Parsons could be a an all-pro linebacker, and we'll say, hey, they, they lucked out, just like when they missed out and lost out on Paxton Lynch and landed on Dak Prescott. That's what they're hoping for here. But it also happened in the second round where they got traded up in front of, or the Raiders traded up in front of them for Trayvon Merrick, the top safety on our board at TCU. Definitely seems like the Cowboys would have wanted him and they get Kelvin Joseph instead. It just seems like the Cowboys got their second favorite option in both of their first two draft slots. Yeah, and it felt a lot like from a process standpoint, this was a very disjointed kind of panicky draft because things kept happening in front of them. And, you know, it's a little well, (laughs) it's a little bit like playing quarterback, right? It's one thing how you perform from a clean pocket when everything's going well. But what happens when a curveball gets thrown your way? Are you able to make that adjustment? Are you able to uh, react on the fly and still make correct decisions? And this was kind of like what it was like for Dallas. They had to react on the fly and it felt like things went to hell the second that that had to happen. And they, they didn't seem to have the most coherent process and strategy when that happens. So I think Dallas is definitely a good one. 
Yeah, I like how you uh, said, hey, how do you adjust to a curveball? I don't know. I was a pitcher. Yeah. I'd probably swing and a miss, you know? Okay. Good baseball reference, Sam. Thank you. Any other losers that any other losers that you have? Yeah, we've got to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? I'm going to be writing an article about this this week. And look, I know <laughs> PFF hammering on the Steelers for drafting a running back is, is a cliche at this point. But we saw it coming. Everybody saw it coming. We knew this was going to happen. And it, it hasn't changed the story. Look, Najee Harris, I think, is a very good running back. But ultimately, he's going to really struggle to have the kind of impact in Pittsburgh that they expect him to have because I think they're just going about this um, evaluation process incorrectly. They, they've essentially tried to fix a problem by addressing the symptom, not the root cause of the problem. And you know, I know they came back and they did get an offensive lineman later on, a third rounder, Kendrick Green from Illinois. But this offensive line needed major, major repair work. And right now, when you look at it, it's still very much a lot of question marks on it. They need to they needed to make some significant moves to fix that. And instead, they spent their their first round pick on a running back. And then when you look at the rest of the draft outside of Kendrick Green, you go to the PFF draft tracker um, and just look at the grades we've given for a lot of these guys. There aren't a lot of you know hits. It's below average. It's poor. It's poor. It's you know there, there's it's not a great draft in terms of what they came away from. And critically. I don't think that their most um, valuable pick, the one at the top of the draft, is going to address the problem that they think it is. We always have to preface this by saying we don't hate Najee. We don't hate him as a prospect. I'm going to position it slightly differently just for perspective. Sam, if if everything was in place from last year's Steelers team that was 11-0 and at one point, what would Najee Harris do there? Would that situation be any better? I know the run blocking wasn't great last year. But it wasn't a bad offensive line. I could see them playing better if they were all coming back, even Marquise Pouncey and Villanueva and the whole deal, right? If they were all coming back, it's not a bad situation for Harris. I think the problem is a lot of those nice pieces from last year just started falling apart or or retiring or hitting free agency or getting cut. And that's why starting your draft with the running back, you know, feels like just a tough spot for for the Steelers as they're trying to, you know, make one last run with Big Ben before he likely retires. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a tremendously good situation either, though. I mean, James Conner is not a bad running back. James Conner averaged 4.3 yards per attempt last season. He gained almost three of them after contact per attempt. Those are good numbers. Those are good running back numbers. Um, but it wasn't better because the offensive line wasn't better. Now, if you if your point is that the offensive line could have been even better, you know, could take a step forward and bounce back in in 2021, and therefore the production would, that's fair, but then think that James Conner could have been even better in that case, right? We've seen impressive play from James Conner in the past. That's why they were willing to move on from Le'Veon Bell and give him an opportunity. That's the whole point in all of this is that the whole thing is a product of what the blocking is going to look like, right? Good blocking plus bad running back equals perfectly adequate production. Good blocking plus good running back equals fantastic production. Good running back plus bad run blocking equals probably bad production. And that's the danger that the Steelers are going to have this season with Najee Harris with the way they've chosen to allocate those resources. I think I'm following you everywhere there. So yeah, Najee is not in the best spot either here until that offensive line does actually get better. Uh, The other 
biggest losers I'm going to list here, the starting quarterbacks in San Francisco and New England, Jimmy Garoppolo and Cam Newton. Even though this was inevitable for the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo was a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, or a Super Bowl starting quarterback just in 2019. And Kyle Shanahan said, Shanahan said I'm done. I'm done with you. I want to move on. Maybe he's going to start this year. Maybe they're going to keep him around and he's going to be the guy, but he's keeping the seat warm for Trey Lance. And with Cam Newton, you know, we didn't know the Patriots were going to draft a quarterback. We had a feeling they didn't actually trade up. Mac Jones either fell into his lap or went exactly where he was supposed to go, depending on how you want to break it down. But either way, Cam Newton is going to be getting asked the question, you know, how long are you the starter? And Jimmy Garoppolo, we know is not going to be the starter in San Francisco, at least not for long, as soon as Trey Lance is ready. Yeah, I mean, the Jimmy G one, I find it hard to sort of classify him as a draft day loser just on the basis that we've known this was coming since the moment the 49ers traded up for that spot. So his, like he's been, the second they made that trade, it was like, oh, Jimmy G's out of there. Um, So I don't, it doesn't feel like that's something that changed this weekend. And actually, I kind of think the same thing for Cam Newton. I don't think anything really changed, even though they did draft a quarterback when it wasn't necessarily nailed on. And the reason for that is Cam Newton, I think, is still starting. Um, I don't think they're like his job didn't change because Mac Jones arrived. Okay, the the rope that he has to play with is certainly shorter, but I think he's going to start. And if he plays well, he will set himself up for another opportunity, which is what he was going to have to do this year anyway. So I'm not necessarily buying into either of those two quick ones I want to mention, though. Mike Mayock, <laughs> again, just went out in a limb with the, you know, I'm going to take our guy and to hell with your draft board. And so far, that hasn't gone well for him. Is it Mayock or is it Gruden pushing through those first rounders? I we don't, don't really know the it, dynamic. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter, right? Because if it doesn't go well, Mayock is the guy losing his job, right? True. agree. Mayock is the dude who's getting drop kicked out of the building as the scapegoat, not John Gruden. So all I'm saying is they made another gamble, reach, whatever you want to call it. And if it doesn't pan out, it's going to be tough. Um, And then one more, Denver. Denver, the team that are going to have to look at this draft and say, we passed up on a quarterback. And right now they don't have one. Right now the plan is Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. And that is a catastrophe if Justin Fields pans out, if Mac Jones pans out. Denver is potentially a huge loser, even though I think they had a really nice draft when you look at just the players they got. It's worth a whole separate episode, but we almost forgot the Green Bay Packers. They're the biggest losers in this entire thing because Aaron Rodgers is on his way out. We might have to do a whole separate daily on Rodgers, where he's going and what the future lies. But there you go. It's the biggest losers of the 2021 NFL draft. If you want a more positive note, be sure to also check out our biggest winners from yesterday. It's a PFF NFL Daily. 